Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. The current news cycle is full of news about rising interest rates, the challenging economic environment and rising inflation, and the looming potential of a downturn or recession. While not in the business of predicting the future, if the last few years have taught us anything, prepare for the unexpected would seem like a resonant phrase and activity albeit one that feels a little hollow at first since preparing for the unexpected can prove especially difficult. Like most people, I read this news with growing concern, but tempered by the hope that our resilience has improved as a society, thanks to the stress induced in our economic system by the recent pandemic and our response. Unlike William, played by the late Heath Ledger of Knight's Trail, who famously said to Count Aylmart, you have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found wanting. I believe we have not, and have risen to the challenge. Our society, and in fact so many of our knights in healthcare, shone through the dark mists of a pandemic, coming together across geography, class, gender, ethnicity, and income to combat a novel virus that wreaked havoc on our world and society. That's not to suggest it was perfect, far from it. But as I'm often heard to say, my glass is always full, half full of liquid and half full of air. I seek the positive in as many circumstances as I can, and what I saw time and again was extraordinary feats by so many people working together to support one another and help everyone in extraordinarily difficult times. Few could emerge from this unchanged, which makes the fact we are starting to see a return to old styles of behaviour even more puzzling. There's even been some reversal of the legislative changes that had freed us and accelerated adoption of innovation and changes. What can we learn from these past experiences? And what are the key elements to create a resilient organization ready for the stormy clouds ahead? Join me on the Healthcare Upside Down show as I talk with Chris Collins, the president of ECG Management Consulting, whose insights are sought after by healthcare systems and senior executives alike who are all struggling to navigate the turbulent waters of healthcare, filled with razor-thin margins and limited resources. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. So we're entering a period that I think is going to be very challenging for all of us, um, but especially for healthcare, given what we've seen through the pandemic. We saw enormous pressures on the healthcare system, uh, the challenges of dealing with uh, care that was shifted from uh, available to non-available, overwhelmed by pandemic, 
And now there is talk of recession, shrinkage. Uh, tell us your thoughts about where you see this going and how this compares to that previous instance. Sure. I think we should probably first set aside talking about whether a recession will hit. I think most uh, lead economists uh, peg it at over 50% in the next 18 to 24 months. So let's assume it, it does hit. I think you can draw from the pandemic and what the health systems, how they experienced and, and weathered that, but also the previous recession. And both are very different. I think this next recession will be very different. I think um, for starters, I think the pandemic put enormous stress on the systems for obvious reasons, right? You had health systems overnight becoming uh, the center of for testing, uh, for vaccination, for treating the ill. Um, that's not what a recession will bring, right? So very different. Um, and I think it's all in how the organizations respond to it. And I'm happy to jump into a few areas where I think uh, they can be ready for the recession. So let's talk about the pandemic aspect. So I think that's important. There's, um, you know, this change to the services that were provided. They had to pivot. I think we saw a number of organizations that did it well, others that didn't. What, what insights did you find from that process as you worked with your clients and, and the people that you interacted with where you saw people doing good things and you know where they went down blind alleys? Well, nobody could prepare for a pandemic, right? They, they didn't know how to react to it initially. They didn't know how long it would last. So you're dealing with a lot of unknown variables. And I would say even those systems that pre-pandemic were, their cost structure was really, really well positioned. The revenue, the volume was up, their staffing was good. Even if those, everything was pristine, they had to, they didn't have a choice. They had to change the way that they were uh, delivering care overnight, staffing, everything, everything changed. I actually think with our clients, a lot of them, I, I would say it was a net positive experience because everyone just shed their titles and dropped what they were doing. And they found themselves responding to this pandemic. And even hospitals that were competitors overnight worked really closely together uh, in a mission-based, mission-focused way to address the pandemic and really serve the community, which is, right, the, the vast majority of hospitals are nonprofit and even the for-profits, I mean, they did a remarkable job responding to the pandemic. So I, I th but I think that's very different than, you know, an, an, econ an economic episode or uh, a recession. I think that those are very different. One is consumer sort of economically driven and will affect the, cons con the consumers and the patients. This was really affecting the health systems treating and reacting to an external force of the pandemic. So as I listen to you, I think about, you know, some of the elements that came together that really allowed people to pivot fast and, and actually perform extraordinarily well in some very difficult circumstances. And one of the things that stood out to me was, you know, the, the term you described was shedding titles and getting stuck in. Do you think that was a critical aspect? Is that something that permeates and will persist into the future? Is it a, an element of future resilience? I, I, I would hope so. I, I, I think that um, 
in a lot of these organizations that brought these teams closer together and um, they felt reconnected with the community and the community appreciated. And there was, I mean, you can see across the media how communities celebrated and thanked the medical staffs and knew that there was burnout. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a tremendous period for the healthcare system. I also think it shed light on the healthcare system and um, it helped uh, society appreciate it more. So I think it draws the, the, those organizations closer together. I also think it was um, in a way, if you try to look at it in a positive way, if you can, uh, I think it, it reminded us of that it needs to be patient centric. Right, that we need to be a little disruptive and get out of our comfort zone and um, provide multidisciplinary care and really mix up the teams to focus on the patient and healthcare delivery and not make it hospital or, or physician centric, if you will. So I think there are some things that, that, are, that, that, that were positive that, that, that um, we had to react to quickly and it was uh, pretty remarkable to witness. I, you struggle the same as I do. Every time I bring this up, I talk about the silver lining of the pandemic. And, you know, that, that's a, a hard thing to sell because it, it unloaded so much um, misery on much of the planet and our, our world. But you're right. There was these positives And I think people stepping in that really changed the way that we perceived. I think one of the, the things that I've seen that uh, continues to bother me and you talked about the difference between pandemic preparedness which you know ultimately very difficult to do and you know a resilience to um, a, a downturn but we ought to be able to at least carry forward some of these things and I'll, I'll pick an example telehealth where everybody said hey this makes sense all of the blocks and barriers were lifted but we're starting to see some of that return how do we change that trajectory so that we can see some persistence? How do we help our uh, healthcare system use what we learned and continue to grow as a result of that? Yeah, so I would agree that the pandemic brought um, an accelerated adoption of, of techniques and methods that we should have been doing five, 10 years ago. Telehealth is a great example. The challenge is that the healthcare services sector I would say is unlike any other sector in the US economy in that um, its margins are razor thin. Its, its margin for error is extraordinarily thin. And so when you adopt something like telehealth, it can be, that's a lot of change management. It's expensive. You need new technologies. Um, you might have to change your staffing model. And the reimbursement system hasn't completely followed. It's getting there, but it hasn't caught up. So ultimately, these CEOs are faced with big decisions in this vast portfolio of a health system, and they've got to make the right call, and they've got to maintain enough margin to reinvest in that healthcare system. So I think it's, a, it's, um, it's going to need some help and from uh, probably the federal government, from the states, to continue to stay on that path. As you said, I think we are getting a little relaxed and sliding back to some of the old care models, um, which is unfortunate. But I, I, think, um, I think there's an opportunity, and I think some progressive systems are pushing on it. Peer pressure is also a good thing. Some of the bigger names that are doubling down on telehealth, that will have an impact on others in the healthcare system uh, 
in the market to, to adopt uh, similar practices. So you've talked about the difference between that downturn. We've, we've seen other downturns. Do we have learning experiences from the past going back further prior to the pandemic where we saw, you know, shrinkage and challenges as we think about the future and preparedness so that we can be as resilient as possible and benefit from the lear prior learning? Well, let me comment first before we go inside the walls of the system in terms of our response. I think as a country, it's been remarkable that the pandemic, so pre-pandemic, we said, well, everything's moving to outpatient and um, we, we don't need traditional hospitals anymore, right? And so we, we can move to outpatient. Well, what's interesting, it, it was on the news every day what was it that we had a we had a shortage of beds, and we had um, inadequate access to healthcare in many corners of the country, right? I bring this up because when we talk about healthcare and healthcare coverage and providing care to most Americans, people think of oh, coverage meaning a card, an insurance card. Well, even if you have a card, you need access to healthcare. So I think the pandemic taught us an important lesson and it shed, it put the spotlight on the healthcare systems to say, as a country, we need to make sure that we have adequate capacity and access points for healthcare for our patients, whether it's the next pandemic or it is somebody living, living in a rural area that is putting off their healthcare needs and that builds up, right? So I think that's a big important lesson sort of externally. Internally, um, I think if you reach back to the previous recession, 2007 to 2009, I think we're in a different place now because back then there was almost very little price sensitivity of the consumer or the patient. So that's why you'll see a lot of articles and studies that say that the healthcare system is recession proof, okay? I don't know if that's true. It depends. Okay. So back then, almost no price sensitivity. Now, high deductible plans, uh, these consumers are more price sensitive. And so I think you're going to see a big drop in elective care and non-urgent, right? The pandemic, they were mandated to hold off on that. The hospitals were. The recession, it's going to be consumer driven. And then I think they're going to dial back on that. And the, the hospitals are going to take a hit on top line revenue, for sure. So given that, and I, I, I think, you know, from my perspective, that's certainly what I see in, you know, the populations that I interact with, you know, even on a personal level, I think it, it, it's become much more price sensitive. How does a, a hospital system, physician practice start to differentiate? Because at this point, you you need to prepare yourself so that you become the place of choice if there's more than one choice. What do people need to do? Well, I don't, in, if, we're, if we're staying within the context of a recession, I don't know if it's about choice. I think it's, the, it's how the hospitals respond and, and make assumptions in scenario-based planning with respect to the reduction of non-urgent and elective care. And the stress that that's gonna put on the hospital health system in terms of revenue, right? So I know where you're going. I think 
consumerism is slowly creeping in. It has a long way to go, right? Um, we are not at a point where in most other sectors, we're picking up our devices and making uh, well-informed decisions on quality of a product or service, price, uh, access, um, reviews. We're not there. And so um, it's getting there, price transparency, technology, et cetera. But in terms of the kind of staying within the, the topic here, I don't think it's a matter of choice during a recession. I think it's a matter of how nimble you are as an organization um, to uh, adapt to the economic uh, environment that you're entering. So I, I will take slight issue with, uh, you know, consumers making good choices. Uh, I, I can't be the only one that makes terrible choices, even though I do lots of research, but okay. Um, certainly, I think we see, uh, you know, better process. And I agree, I think that's going to take a longer time. Given that we're going to see this and the challenge of, uh, you know, if you think about this from a chronic care standpoint, that's going to raise costs for everybody. If you don't access care, if we start to make choices that are poor, we obviously have to think about this more holistically um, so that we're delivering better services that ultimately come in at a, a, a lower economic cost for the individual and raise the level of health. Is that possible in a recession um, environment? I think so. I think, I mean, uh, in terms of preventative care, um, I think, uh, uh, everything that's that we're making progress on educating consumers and patients about um, their their habits and, and 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 all of that. So I think I think actually too we probably were harsh on telehealth. I think that has made a big difference in in reaching patients. Um, and I think the activity even on portals and communicating and checking in with your doctor are way up. And I think that's good. So I think even during a recession. Uh, unlike 2007 to 2009, um, I think we can um, service the needs of the patients a little differently than we, we that we did back then. Um, but I think there are other areas that the systems can brace for for this recession. They have time now. They it, they still have a little bit of a runway to prepare for this, and hopefully it doesn't happen. So, given that um, you've had prior experience, obviously through the pandemic, you've seen successes, failures. What would you advise at this point, the, the top three things for a, a, an institution, a CEO, for example, to be thinking about as, you know, their top items for consideration in preparedness? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll rattle off three. Uh, let me qualify by saying certainly there's a wide spectrum of health systems. There are $11 billion multi-state systems. There are standalone community hospitals. Having said that, there, the three I would point out, number one, and this is gonna sound a little, a little twisted, if you will, but a uh, pandemic followed by a recession might just be what we need to, to solve for the number one issue in healthcare today for health systems. And that's the staffing shortage. So their cost structure is, is, is really hurting right now because of locum tenens, tenens, because of temporary staffing. You are absolutely gonna see uh, nursing and other healthcare professionals put off retirement 
go from part-time to full-time and re-enter the job market, the workforce. So that's going to, if you're ready and you've got your recruitment plan and your recruitment office and your onboarding ready, and you've got your recruitment channels ready, you can finally address uh, that issue, which is a big, uh, will be a big change to the cost structure for the health systems. Number two, methodically examine everything you're doing in terms of growth plans, planning initiatives, capital light or capital heavy, prioritize those now and do some wargaming in terms of what's mission critical. And, and what I saw during the pandemic is some health systems psychologically paused planning initiatives that were not costly, and then they had to play catch up post pandemic. Keep the planning initiatives going. If you're looking at a partnership, if you're looking at a change of, a, of, a, of a, how you deliver care, continue that. So you're well positioned post recession to, to implement. So really methodically go through and reprioritize everything you're doing. The last thing I would say is don't waste the opportunity to look at organizational design and effectiveness, leadership structure, governance, how we make decisions. A lot of these systems have grown and their management model has become very flat, very horizontal. And so it makes them less nimble to respond to a very challenging and complex market. Um, so I would, I would rattle off those three. So I, I think great points. The, the one thing I, I want to take issue with and in the closing um, uh, minutes here is the, um, the addition or the return of staff who, let's be clear, the reason that they're doing that is burnout. They have been absolutely slammed. They're challenged, you know, and you can complain about the virtual nursing, traveling nurses, unsustainable economically. But in some fashion, there has to be uh, an approach to address that because that's not going to go away just because we've got to. Uh, so how do they not, approach that? That's not going to go away. And, and you and I can't sort out the debits and credits on that topic. I will tell you, though, the healthcare services sector is, is a very attractive safe haven when, um, when there's economic turbulence, right? Because everyone needs healthcare. So you'll actually, I think the net impact will be uh, positive for the healthcare workforce, do you follow? So even people that were considering, should I go into healthcare, should I not? I think you're gonna see some take, uh, take cover and come into that sector, right? And so I, I appreciate what you're saying about burnout and the great resignation. We lost a lot out of that workforce permanently, but I think you're gonna see a wave of folks come into that. I remember many, many years ago when I came into to healthcare services, it was not the most interesting or sexy sort of sector to go into. Why not uh, tech? Why not uh, you know, all of this? It's very safe, it's very stable, and it does fluctuate. Um, but I think you'll see a, a, a net impact, a positive impact in terms of the workforce. Fantastic. Chris, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Nick. So while the potential of a recession certainly leaves space for pause and concern, there are some potential upsides to the new economic waters we are entering. Different pressures bring about a new set of behaviours and the opportunity to not only keep and retain existing talent, but also potentially make new talent and resources available. And importantly, we don't just need adequate capacity, it has to be fulfilled with sufficient access points to offer a service that it can serve the widest populations. But to capitalize on this, you have to be geared up and ready, making sure you review all of your expenditures and projects in the light of shifting priorities. 
But above all, make sure your organization is reconfigured for agility, fast decision-making, and the ability to course-correct quickly as the environment and pressure changes. Your better pill to swallow is to start wargaming future scenarios. Revisit your organizational design with a critical eye to the effectiveness of your leadership, structure, governance. How can you be more agile and resilient to make decisions quickly and adapt to the changing environment? Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com slash hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HCUpsideDown. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone. Thank you.